Hello, and welcome to Find the Path Podcast, actual play of Hell's Rebels. For a moment there, forgot what I was doing, um, but this is Reveal 15. I was going to say, that was very NPR of you right there. <laughs> yes. It was, yes. and then she like stopped because she realized, and she's like, uh-oh, I've gone too far. Hello, listeners, <laughs> and welcome to the Find the Path Podcast. Yeah. Today, we're going to be discussing the nature of hell. <laughs> a little bit. Wow. It's a metaphysical conversation. With special guests, Asmodeus. <laughs> wow, we got him? Really? <laughs> Took a lot of strings. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. What contract it's did somebody you Somebody sold some souls. It was a whole thing. It's true. Um, but yes, uh, this is Rumorville 15. Uh, we're talking about episodes 43, 44, and 45. It's true. Or I like to call it, I don't have a good nickname. Ah, or I like to call it the Thirsty Adventures. The thirsty ones, because this oh, is the, the one where thirsty, we meet the cute guy. Oh, the mm. thirsty adventures. Okay, Thirst. really? Wasn't that just Adria? I think it was. Eh. Yeah, I mean, it I was. Think but... It was just Adria. Yes. Hey, I'm running this, so I'm in charge here. <laughs> so you're the main character <laughs> right now. Eh? <laughs> no, that's not how this works. Um, the Silver Ravens uh, all left Kentargo for like the first time in a million episodes, or well, 43 episodes, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, we left. Quote unquote yeah, I mean, hey, we were outside. Left. If this were a first edition game and one of you were a ranger, you would have lost your favorite terrain city bonus. So, yes, you did leave the city. Okay, all right. We yeah. actually traversed the swamp mm -hmm, uh, sure. and went to the uh, the shrine of St. Senex in search of Lictor Octavio Sabinus. It's true. There were no drakes. Yeah, true. We thought there might be. There were a couple of druids there. There were two druids, in fact. Brother Jenbai and Sister Remele. They were who, cool. Uh, I guess they're cool with Octavio because they let him hang out in their crypt. Well, and... we know that they've been using that place as a safe house forever. Yeah. I guess they have similar vibes, you know, like drowned sailors and finding people. Mm -hmm. And there's something, I don't know, there's something yeah, similar they're like about kind them. of aligned. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Finding lost people. But yeah, we had some turtle soup, which mm -hmm. was very generous, generous mm -hmm. of these yum, folk. Yum. I've never personally had turtle soup. Uh, me neither. It's, it's very sad. and it, I was going to say, it's a, it's a sad soup. But maybe those turtles aren't endangered. I was going to say, it depends on the type of turtle you're talking about. Yeah, I seriously exactly. thought Jessica was going to say, maybe those turtles deserved it. No, I would <laughs> never say such things. <laughs> those words would never come out of uh, Jessica's yeah, mouth. Yeah, first off, have you met Jess? <laughs> like, it didn't matter how horrible those turtles were acting. She'd be like, save the turtles. They had yeah. a fiendish template. She's still like, those poor babies. They were just living their turtle lives. Oh no, somebody saved me from the wee turtles. <laughs> I probably deserve this, but I don't want to die. Uh, then we essentially kind of talked to them a little bit, showed them the ring, and, and got to go down, down, down into the shrine, where there was a really cool, it was almost like an art installation of like rigging and sail and stuff, um, but mm -hmm. it was also a golem. Like a floatsome golem or something like or that? Or a construct yeah. or something. Yeah. It was cool. If it were activated, how screwed would we be? <laughs> I'm imagining it's quite. pretty tough. It's one of the creatures that I had to convert. Oh. Mm. I guess oh, that was some unique. effort that I'll never actually get to uh, to get back for it. It's not unique. Well, it wasn't unique in first edition, but it's not in second edition, which is a rope golem. Mm. They get some cool abilities, including uh, the ability to strangle people. So yeah. that makes cool. sense. Great. I don't like that. <laughs> that all makes sense, I suppose. Yeah. But the shrine was really cool. I liked all the mm. like. Was it murals or, or mosaics? I keep thinking it's mosaics, but it was probably murals on the wall of like getting deeper in the water and like 
ships and stuff. Yeah, so definitely not a mosaic, maybe a mural, because um, it was painted, although the painting was flaked off, flaked off. Although it was also carved. It was carved and then painted, which yeah. is why you can still, still a, see that's it. That's still a bas-relief. You can paint yeah, bas-reliefs. Carving, I think. Mm. Yeah. A low relief or bar relief. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that was really cool. And Adria definitely is going to bookmark this place to come back and uh, train in some herbalism druidy things. Yeah. yeah. With your other Ooh. friends that you like spoke druidic to. So that was fun. I never have. I don't think I've played in a single. Well, no, I can name one other time in an adventure that I got to use druidic. But in none of the other recorded games, for sure. Never, yeah. ever does that happen or come up. It's very awesome. The ultra secret handshake of druids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's the oh, weird dang. thing. Of no matter where you are in Galarian, and if you're a druid, you know druidic. It's mm-hmm. the language of nature, man. <laughs> yeah, you just like we're all vibe from star it. stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't it know. It kind of harkens back. Actually, this is a small, very small side tangent here. It harkens back a little bit to AD and D, where in uh, older editions, it was assumed by default that druids were members of circles, mm-hmm. druidic circles. And I think it was really the transition to 3.0, 3.5 that moved that from all druids are members to circles to druids receive their power from nature akin to a cleric. Mm-hmm. Whereas in like AD&D, the implication was you could only become a druid by being trained by another druid. Hmm. As opposed to a divine gift. Interestingly That's enough, cool. I believe in the older editions, as you leveled up, you actually also got more status within druidic circles. Yeah, and so you could become an arch druid yeah. and things like mm-hmm. that in your That's druid cool. circle. Yeah. All right, that's pretty rad. Well, Adria's going to join this circle because it's pretty cool. Her husband drowned at sea, so like the, you will the actually make it a circle and good. not a line. Yeah, technically be a triangle at this I mean, point. Okay, so technically it's triangle, <laughs> but we're working. Curved lines. We're working. You know, you just you just curve the lines in between, and it's kind of a circle. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but yeah, and I guess at the very end of that, we saw just the coolest Hell Knight armor I think I've ever seen in my whole life. That's true. The Order of the Torrent has style, as they were described. They are very yes. fancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have a very distinct aesthetic. But yeah, yeah, so then I guess that leads us kind of into the next episode where we uh, actually get to talk to him and uh, he doesn't murder us because he, I think his last line was like, that's not, you're not what I expected or something like not that. Not what I expected. That was it. Mm-hmm. And we got to hear all about the Night of Ashes and the fact that Octavio Sabinus told Thrun to his face that he was under arrest, which is rad. That mm. I mean... I would have loved to have been a fly on that wall. <laughs> yeah. Very great and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, though he wasn't victorious, still managed to survive against not only Thrun himself, but several of his closest allies. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, Adria is a little bit in love with him because she likes a man in uniform and also <laughs> a man that tells Thrun to like F off, which is awesome. Also, maybe a man that's related to the fishy waters because, you know, he's got the whole like fish motif with his armor. Well, he's got vibes. You know, uh, that's all of the order, though. <laughs> I mean, you know, his was his was really cool. Spiky fish stuff. That's, that's what true. they all wear. Yeah. Well, I think he had like fancy leader lictor armor. I'm sure it's slightly fancier than the other ones, probably because it's enchanted more than the other ones. But yeah, they mm. all have a every hor- every Hell Knight order has a specific armor type. So you can actually make a like a recall knowledge in second edition upon seeing a Hell Knight just based on their armor to determine what order they belong oh, to. Oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so the Order of the Rack armor has uh, designs of exposed musculature, sleek helm, and flayed, flayed? Yeah, flayed. Flayed cloak. 
They okay. intentionally flay their cloaks. You get like a brand new rack, cloak, and they just take like the they take a, they take some whips and like a mace to it to like you know beat it up. <laughs> Apparently, it's like artfully flayed. You, you act understand. like people didn't buy jeans with holes already in them in the nineties. I mean, so, okay, you know when you say that, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean they still are. <laughs> they still I was are. never that person, but you're right. <laughs> Distress. My mom was always I like, we're not we buying jeans that already have holes in them. That's ridiculous. <laughs> My mom was the same way. Yeah, eventually you make your own holes. <laughs> <laughs> Odd. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we chatted with him. Uh, he agreed to uh, ally with us uh, mm -hmm. as long as we didn't burn buildings down. He was really insistent about burning buildings down. He said it, I think, twice. But essentially, you know, not destroy the city in the process. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got to help free the armagers which uh, jokes on him we were already going to do because Cesare's nephews in there hey but he gave us a pretty a pretty solid plan including like you know sneak in like no not sneak yep. in pretend basically basically like orders that we could like get uh forged to get us to be able helpful. to like yeah. sneak in which is super cool yeah yeah we pretty much spent that whole episode i think talking to him too he yeah, was a very was interesting a guy yeah it was a, it was a heavy uh, heavy role play episode um I only slightly regret the voice that I do for him because it's it's deeper <laughs> than my normal voice and it uh, mm. it does a number on me after a while. <laughs> mm. yeah. Well, hopefully he won't have you know long monologues every other episode from here. No, on I out. don't think he's gonna have to talk for an entire episode, you know, anytime soon. Mm. Mm. So uh, we finished up our conversation with him and uh, left the swamp, went back to the city of Kentarko, kind of rested up, uh, and then met with the master forger Ruba Fungue. I love yep. her. She mm -hmm. was great. It was delightful. Great. I loved her cats, her thousands of cats named after food. Actually, bread yeah. specifically. Yeah, bread so specifically. And, a, and occasional different baked good. I think there was a cupcake in there. <laughs> there was definitely oh, yes. a cupcake. Baked okay, items. a cupcake is kind of bread. I think there a might have also spread. been a donut or something like that. Uh, breads so, are technically not cakes, and cakes bread, are not breads. Bread and pastries, basically, is what she's going for here. Did you mm. bake it? Then, you know. She, yeah, she's <laughs> doing baked goods. Just baked goods, yes, yes. Um, she read Cesare's future, which was awesome, or past, all of those, fortune. And was eerily on target, so that's, that's cool. fun. Mm. She may actually have some gift. It was neat. We liked it very much. She kept uh, she kept telling us about her uh, her divinatory lessons. Yes, yeah, she mm -hmm. has classes. Her her after work uh, specials. I felt the need to mention it to Rick afterwards, but I just feel the need to mention it again here that the NPC game was definitely on point for that episode between mm -hmm. 100%, her 100%. and the yep. um, turnip farmer that we encountered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy! That guy was <laughs> rad. Yeah. I got to help a donkey. It was the best moment of that, my druid life so far. Great. It was peak yeah. druid. Yeah, we had, we had some great NPCs that episode. Gil, the turnip farmer. Jill yep. with the G. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It was good. It was good and we liked it. Oh, yeah, we got a bunch of beats. We yep. did. Well, we, we did. did. We had to get the beats anyway because we were, because mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. that was our whole like lie that uh, Lucia and um, Niccolo used to get out. Mm -hmm. was like, oh, we're going to go get stuff for the Cloven Hoof Society. And, and we did. did. And we did done yep so uh gm tip there for uh for game masters out there listening is if you have a little side thing that your party needs to do but you want to move things along just go ahead and make it a little bit easier for them mm. yep you didn't want us to spend 45 minutes wandering around looking for a farmer <laughs> I, yeah especially when it's just like it's like i'll give this to you for five copper pieces like i'm pretty sure we can get this for co four copper pieces what do i roll to haggle yeah, it's like no. Yeah. But, I was gonna say we're also not those players yeah. that are gonna be like, no. Uh, no, we have to see if we can get it for even less. Like, I'll say that whether or not the party will take an offer like that 
is directly impacted by how likable the NPC is. Mm. Oh, for us, 100%. Yeah. If that guy had been a jerk, sounds. we would have been like, no. If the offer sounds reasonable also. Mm. Screw yeah. you and your donkey. <laughs> but no, you took care of the donkey. Yeah. We did. It was awesome. Yeah, from there, we did some preparations as well to get the equipment that we would need for mm -hmm. oh, yeah, like as the guards. Yes, yeah, so we had to look like yep. the guards. Mm -hmm. With mixed results, some of them went well, some of them not as much, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> we had a lot that Jordan had to roll, and that's a problem. I mean, it's go, it's yeah, anytime I have to roll, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. But you roll a lot for the rebellion because of the position you took, so... Well, we need to switch you, know you with what? the If Chesare. I had known... <laughs> Uh, Cesare, we need you to take over this role. Mm. You seem like you're a naturally lucky kind of elf. <laughs> take <laughs> yeah. over this position. <laughs> yeah, as Cesare looks at his backstory and goes, yeah, that's a lie, but sure, whatever. <laughs> I will say that your luck distinctly changed once you got a black cat. True, you have a lucky cat. Yeah, yeah. That is true. You have it's inverted luck. Trajectory. In some cultures, black cats are lucky. You look over and Raven's just got a necklace of like seven rabbit's feet. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> not lucky for the rabbit but no. there were no survivors well I guess on that note um, <laughs> we want to talk about emails yeah emails. we can do some emails, emails. Yeah. Sound yeah, sounds good right. the first email comes from Calf uh, from the discord one of the denizens of the find the path discord hello Calf they do not hello. give us a location hmm. you okay. said denizens which suddenly makes Ling. me think of Ling they can <laughs> hang out in Ling it's fine all right, I think it is. Oh, it's, God. Ju you, you, it's, it's, it's chill it's, there. It's Jess's fault. If you don't like it, it's Jess's fault. She said Denizen. No, they said Denizen. That's, oh, they yeah. said Denizen? Yes, it's literally in the email. Okay, then they asked for Lang. Like, they, right. that's, that's how I, it is. I pay frequent visits there. It's fine. Does it mean <laughs> Discord, the Find the Path Discord is Ling? That would be amazing. I'm if they call this. themselves denizens, yes. I mean, you huh. could make an argument that the Find the Path Discord is the equivalent of the Dreamlands, filled yes. with a variety of different dramatic things. I mean, that's oh, where Ulthar is. So that's true. True. Ulthar yeah. is the best. Yep. Ulthar. Just happened to be in Lang. Uh, so this is Calf, one of the denizens of the Find the Path Discord, aka Lang. There was a call on a recent rumor mill for more Hell's Rebels-related emails, and I realized I have been tremendously remiss in not writing in previously. We How understand. Dare. Well, but thank you, know. you for writing in. <laughs> yes. yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. I've been listening to Mummy's Mask and Hell's Rebels for some time now and have started to catch up for Tyrant's Grasp. Like many other listeners, I have, I've had many chores and grocery store trips made infinitely more entertaining by the addition of your on-air shenanigans. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Thank I you. appreciate that. Also, thank yeah. you for supporting us on Patreon. Absolutely. Yes. yes. I hate going to the grocery store. I do too. It's my but least at favorite least place. if you're listening to the podcast, you're going with friends. It's true. I should mm -hmm. listen to podcasts when I go to the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone ever like listened to my headphones, they'd be like, oh, that chick's weird. She listened to true crime. <laughs> well, yes. Well, All right. I mean, that's actually less weird than listening to actual plays. <laughs> what are you listening to? Oh, the rolling dice. They just rolled a 20. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're listening Why are you to suddenly giggling in the produce section? Oh, uh, you know. Earbuds. Sure, I do get a lot. When I if she's listening podcasts. to Tyrant's Crash, she might be crying in the produce sections. So. <laughs> 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 it's these onions. They're yeah. so strong. Oh, <laughs> boy. Yeah. Um, with Hell's Rebels especially, I'm really enjoying how we get to know different parts of the city of Kentargo through the eyes of different PCs. I also appreciate how much effort goes into creating these characters and the details of their backstories. For example, Victoria's intense serial killer obsession, Nicolo's labor organizing, and the feline fashion icon Raven's inimitable sense of style. Awesome. 
Also, thank you all for the Discord and fostering a small corner of the internet to chat about episodes, trade choice memes, and most importantly, share cat pictures. Yep. <laughs> They're only the choicest of memes. Yes. Mm-hmm. A small but growing corner of the internet. Mm-hmm. It's much bigger than it was when we first launched it. Launched and I say it. I Seriously. appreciate the cat pictures as well. I have a feeling the rest of the crew does too. I love a cat Indeed. picture. Or a dog yeah. picture. Mm-hmm. There was a frog picture today and it was very cute. It was very cute. cute. Oh, I have not seen that. It, like They had a zoomed out one and they were like, find the frog. And then they spoilered the zoomed in so you could <laughs> yeah. see the frog. Anyway, it's delightful. The good place. You should all join the Discord. The invite's on our yep. website. Find-path.com. Mm-hmm. Go check it out and hang with fellow people of discerning taste. <laughs> yes. I do have two questions, if I may be so bold. You, you may. Yes. First, all that, one, all that makes me want to say is everything is permitted. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is true. Uh, okay. First, for the group, what are your thoughts on the second edition secret checks? From a listener perspective, it can be more immersive to have, for example, Cesare suddenly start swearing in Infernal when he realizes exactly which book Barzillai Thrun took. But it's also fun to hear just how high the wizard slash investigator slash bard can roll on a knowledge check. Or see just how badly Jordan's dice have betrayed him. Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> After yeah. running 2E on the pod for a year and change, has it really been a year and change? A uh, yeah. year and a half, yeah. Wow. Wild. What are your thoughts? I like them. Not because I like withholding information from players or even taking away the uh, capacity to roll dice. Although we do use Foundry so that everyone can at the very least get to click their own button. We get to click the button for the secret rolls. We, you know, there's at least something. We hear the clicky clackies. So there's, you know, there's that response. I like them because of the level of immersion that they provide. And that's always something that is difficult to foster at the table. And it's one fewer step between you and your character. It's now you have your character's information and it also gets around the whole thing as far as the editing side where it's, Heather, you identify that this is a kobold. Kobolds are small, cowardly lizard creatures that set traps and ambush people. And then Heather has to go, okay, yeah, these are kobolds, guys. Uh, Watch out for traps. (laughs) And then it's just reiterated, whereas this just allows me to give the information. Yeah, this is a lot like um, what we did for Rise of the Rune Lords when we played through it was um, Rick had pieces of paper mm-hmm. and like little handouts that he would give us on knowledge checks and stuff. So like mm-hmm. if somebody made the perception check, he would just like hand a piece of paper and then we would read it and then, you know, role play it out. So it kind of is the same thing, yeah. but like codified in the system. Yeah, the only difference was like that was your own version of secret checks before secret checks were a thing. The only difference yes. was is that we didn't get false information. Well, they weren't we secret because we rolled the dice. Correct. I mean, yeah. It was, but the, I mean, it was the same equivalent of uh, providing mm-hmm. recall knowledge information, but it is not the, uh, but the secret part of it means that you don't, of course, know whether or not it is true or false. I really enjoy yeah. the false answers and I always like to roll secret checks even if I could get a wrong answer just because I find it delightful. That, that <laughs> keeps me from not rolling if I know I'm not good at a skill. I'm like, I don't want to get wrong information and confuse people. And that is why I specifically have Victoria taking feats that mean I don't get false information. (laughs) There are some cool feats. Mm. It provides you with information that you can actually act on as far as your characters are concerned without having that meta knowledge of the one that springs to mind more than recall knowledge checks is perception rolls for traps Mm. of the, well, we all know that the rogue rolled poorly or, you know, I, I think I've gone back to this a couple of times when you guys were doing the investigation. And Jordan happened to have rolled terribly for a perception roll, but you went, I mean, Lucia's got that. She went over there to search. 
Mm. Yep. I mean, I just always assume Jordan's rolled badly. It doesn't matter <laughs> if I can see the roll or not. It, it doesn't matter if I'm rolling or if it's being rolled on my behalf. My curse persist, persisteth. Yeah. But it does mean that there isn't the I'm the person that usually makes the perception roll rolls terribly. And it's like, I'm going to listen at that door, too, mm. just for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because I, I do love the level of immersion it encourages. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say it was doing it on Foundry has helped a lot because it was really kind of weird whenever we would go entire episodes and none of us would roll dice and like Rick's rolling all of the dice. Foundry helps kind of ameliorate because at least I'm hitting the button for the for the you know secret like, perception check. I like to hear the click clack. Well, and you get to make the choice to roll versus the GM thinking about maybe rolling for you. It's easier. You can be like, I'm gonna choose not to click that button. I still occasionally roll for you guys, but that's if it's if letting you know that something was being rolled would be information. Like a random perception check as we're walking down the street might be one of those things. It's like, well, now we're all, all on guard. But I'm thinking like knowledge checks because there's a chance to get wrong information. So what I'm curious, actually, because you know. I've started using uh, I've started playing around with the beginner's box and learning a bit more about how Foundry works. And maybe someone out there in the uh, the path folk in that fine discord community that we have has an answer to this. I'm curious if there's a way to put a roll request button in the chat that doesn't tell you what you're rolling. So that if you run into a creature and it's like corpse orgies, that's the first one that comes to mind where it's like it looks like it should be undead, but it's actually an aberration. Mm -hmm. And so being able to go, OK, well, knowing whether or not you're rolling knowledge or whether or not you're rolling religion versus rolling a cult would actually inform you when you think that, oh, it's an undead creature. I'm going to roll religion. I actually need you to roll a cult. Ah, it's not an undead creature. Mm. I wonder if there's a way to put something up in the chat to request the roll, but not let you know what you're rolling. But I think the game it would also does be cool to have it that. when you do a roll that it gives you the information because I know like a lot of times like Rick's having to like copy and paste stuff yeah. to the various people whispering yeah. to the various people on who well, got it right. if you wanted to set up Pretty something upload. real fancy, I bet you could do that. But I feel like it might be more trouble to try to do that than to just copy paste. I yeah. mean, that that's a step further, but I'm just kind of wondering if someone's made a mod that lets you request a blind roll. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's something to look into because that would be great when it's like, I want to know what this monster is. It's like, okay, click that button, but you don't know what you're actually rolling to determine what that monster is. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Very interesting. All right. Uh, my second question is more for the GMs in the group. Thus far, Hell's Rebels has involved lots of investigation and information acquisition. How That's do true. you maintain forward narrative momentum in the setting of multiple failed investigation checks? For example, as almost happened during the early stages of the Tooth Fairy investigation. Phrased differently, how do you keep the party from getting bogged down due to sheer bad dice luck? Fail forward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, failing forward is an option. To, I suppose, how to game that I've mentioned a couple of times before, because it is a wonderful game, uh, and I highly encourage people to play it. It reminds me a little bit of Disco Elysium, and that is a game where you are actually selling yourself short if you ever look at a guidebook for that game because the investigation is the entire point of that game. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so when you hit a dead end, you do what you actually see in procedural shows and things like that, where if the party hit a dead end and went, we have no idea what's going on. We must have missed a clue in that alleyway. Mm. Yeah. Let's go back to the alleyway and check that again, because we, we have to have missed something. a lot of running around, for sure. If that encourages you to like backtrack and try a new direction. As far as some investigations are concerned, it's actually written into the book to aid the party. So, for instance, in the case of the Tooth Fairies, if you fail long enough and it gets to the next day, the Tooth Fairies murder someone new. So that's terrible because you've lost another person mm. in the city you failed to save. 
but it also provides an opportunity for new clues for the party and another chance to roll. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the whole thing of like, kind of a cliche, but like, you, you have the big bad evil guy and he starts his monologue about, you know, his grandmaster plan and there's the gunslinger that's like, nope, and just shoots him. You then find his journal. There's other ways to convey the information that look like it was intentional that you can kind of also do. So like, uh, for instance, like, oh, uh, you find a new witness that has saw something strange that night or something like that that can give you some of that same information without actually technically being part of the track of the investigation that you can just kind of throw in there to make sure they get a clue to keep them moving on. And there was somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody once told me if it's a piece of information that is absolutely critical, will completely derail your game, you cannot move forward without having it, then nobody should be rolling for it anyway. You should just give it to them. Like if it is so critical that you literally will not be able to progress, then don't make them roll for it. Have an NPC that tells them about it or something. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, We'll add one caveat to something that Jordan was saying there a second ago, and somewhat of a controversial opinion, maybe. Don't be afraid to let your players fail, though. Like, don't feel like you have to have an NPC jump in and save the day. Because if, if a party knows that no matter what happens, they're going to get the information, on one hand, that's great for them because they're like, the story keeps going, it keeps continuing along, kind of free of consequence. On the other hand, that means... Well, actually, my success means nothing because I would have gotten this regardless. Um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, again, another video game reference, but uh, Until Dawn, that there's a segment of that that no matter how many quick time events you fail, you still succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, OK, well, well, then why was I struggling to, to make those quick time events? Uh, it gets into a similar thing here where you could easily have another witness come forward, but you could wait until the next day after there's another victim. Yep. So it's there's still a repercussion for the failed dice rolls, even though that's not a fault of the players. That was just bad luck. However, in the world, the characters failed. Mm. Nothing to do with what the players decided to do, but the characters in world failed. There was a repercussion for that. And now they have another chance. Mm. Yeah, I think the, the important part of that is to not make it such a harsh punishment. So it's not like, no. oh, you guys failed this investigation. The entire city is, you know, engulfed in, you know, a demon horde <laughs> or something like fairies. that. Engulfed you know, Millions just, of tooth fairies. Yeah, what? everybody dies. Like, it, it's it's that kind yeah. of thing of, like, balancing the, the consequences in a way yeah. that feels organic but not punitive. Yeah. There's also a little bit of read the room. If you have set up an investigation that's too difficult... And your yeah. players are frustrated and you can see them being frustrated and they've been frustrated for a while now. You probably need to give them something or you're not going to be playing this game for very long. Yeah, usually you kind of have to get the almost video game mindset when it comes to puzzles and or riddles where mm. they tend to make it easy enough that everybody could solve it or at least with enough thought or if you work together with a friend, you could figure it out. But if you're having to look up a guide to figure something out, it's probably too hard. So you should kind of keep that same mentality with, you know, what you're running. Kind of touching on everything there rolled together. So in that scenario, let the players fail, let them get to the point where they go, okay, I don't know what's going on anymore. Maybe they return back to the scene of the crime and investigate. If they're getting frustrated at that point, just go, okay, well, you guys have done what you can. So all of you, you make your way off to the end. You rest up for the evening, go, okay, well, we're going to start this fresh the following day. It's getting too late. Curfew's coming, etc. Wake up the next day. Then they find out someone's murdered. And then someone steps forward and says, yeah, I saw this happen. Mm-hmm. And at least give them another chance. Or heck, even recycle the clues. If they missed mm-hmm. all the clues the first time, recycle mm-hmm. the clues for the second murder. 
And then it's like they're finding it fresh. Maybe this murder is a little sloppier and the clues are slightly easier to find. Or, you know, maybe things just happen just so. So that way it's, you know, at least they have a different chance to get the information. Mm. Yeah, your killer is devolving and therefore left more evidence. Yeah. (laughs) Certainly. Looking like a true crime aficionado. (laughs) Well, in the case of the truth of fairies, maybe a cat showed up at an inopportune moment and one of them dropped a you know, dropped a piece of information and didn't realize it before they ran away. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, in 2E, it'd actually be interesting to introduce uh, hero points as a mechanic for doing investigations as well. Maybe even allowing the party to, like, spend a hero point for, like, a bolt of lightning, like a spark of intuition or something like that. that just Oh, nice. More or less spending a resource, because at that point, at the very least, you are requiring a resource expenditure. Or if it's going to be an investigation, you just mandate somebody play the investigator, and then you use... Oh, on what is that case. ability called? No, not on the case. The one that's like, there's something odd here. That's odd. Mm. That's odd. Yeah, use I that odd to that give them feet. the nudges. It's so awesome. <laughs> it is really great. Because <laughs> also I just have really, I have way too much fun reminding Rick that I have it because I just want to be like, is there anything odd in this room? <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> and I, and for some reason, it brings me such joy to say that. And I don't know why, but it does. It's because oh, that word. ability is funny because the name of it is so like so on the nose. There's a body is, dangling odd. from the ceiling covered in spiked chains. Is there anything odd in here? There's a body dangling from the ceiling covered in spiked chains. <laughs> is there anything odder in here? And it's smiling. Is there anything out of the ordinary? <laughs> All right. Well, Calf wraps up. Thank you very much for making such fantastic podcasts and for sharing your shenanigans with all of us. Shenanigans. Well, thank you, Calf. Thank you, Calf. Thank you. And thank you for uh, being a uh, Again, a patron as well as a member of our Discord. Yeah. Yes. All right. Second email coming to you from Wally in Long Shadow, Nermathis. Hey, hey Wally. Wally. Hi uh, there. Nermathis. Long-time listener, first-time writer. First learned about your podcast tangentially through the Glass Cannon community, and I have awesome. to say I couldn't be happier to have done so. Well, well, thank awesome. you. Yeah, thank very you. nice. Great. As much as I appreciate the bombastic showmanship of the GCP, I have been delighted more so by the real feel and utterly complete grasp of the PF rules and Galarian lore by this group. Oh, oh thank you. Shucks. We appreciate the, the that. The rarely called out, we know the lore. <laughs> we probably know the lore better than the rules, to be honest. Yeah, I, yeah, probably. Honestly, probably. The folks over at the GCP do put on a good show, though. That's true. Oh, yeah. Your group hits especially close to home because by complete coincidence, I started running the Hell's Rebels campaign at almost the exact same time you guys did. Oh, awesome. Yes. Small world. I've been so fortunate to be about a week or two behind your official Hell's Rebels playthrough and am shamelessly stealing ideas and concept from Rick's beautifully realized Kentargo. <laughs> Still away. Like that uh, imitation is the, the sincerest form of flattery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm always interested to hear other people's takes on the same story, too. So mm-hmm. uh, true. true. Yeah, yeah. What other what other parties get up to is always interesting. <laughs> All right. They now have a pitch for us. Oh. This Uh-oh. leads to my next request slash demand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You guys have to do a playthrough of Iron Fang Invasion. Whereas my Hell's Rebels group is still barely into book two, my Iron Fang group is now deep into book five. If ever there was a campaign suited to a ranger slash druid obsessed with wild empathizing the local fauna. Oh, they're writing to me. If ever there was a campaign where you fight or befriend basically the entire bestiary, this is it. Oh my god. Okay, I mean, okay, I'm that's in. a sell for Jess. Strong. I don't know if you're sell. selling everybody, but you're selling me. Um, compelling bad guys, a wild adventure that spans across a variety of memorable settings, from mild spoilers 
for Iron Fang Invasion. They're in a Mathai wilderness, to the Darklands, to a supernaturally blighted forest, and beyond. Whoa. Furthermore, cool. if, uh, blighted forest, we can go fix the forest. Ah, it sounds great. Anyway, furthermore, <laughs> if you adapted this one to 2E, Rick should have relatively minimal work converting the militia rules, which are really just a reskin of the Hell's Rebels Rebellion rules. Oh. I can already see Jessica's hmm. druid befriending each and every fae and magical beast. And every animal, honestly. It's just everything in the whole thing. Everyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard good things about Iron Fang Invasion. Yeah. I've not heard it put like this. This really makes me excited about it. I was going to say, that's quite the Jess-specific sell. I mean, yeah. dang. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, the one thing that I remember seeing for Iron Fang Invasion that was a strong selling point for me, if I were to be a player or anything like in that, was that there was a campaign trait that was Dwarven-specific. Mm. Oh, cool. Nice. And dwarves never get enough love. I will does, die Rick on does that love hill. Dwarves. <laughs> does love I will die dwarves. on that finely reinforced dwarven hill. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's uh, the adventure path that actually takes place in Ermathis, which is an area mm -hmm. that they danced around for a long time. But uh, huh. other than the occasional module, and I think, I think a very small number of society adventures actually even take place there. It's not really touched for how central that location is. Yeah, so it's kind of in the middle of everything. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's also very interesting because there's a uh, there's apparently a huge exploration element to it that I find fascinating. I do I do love a good exploration. I was gonna say I, I've always been a big fan of the uh, journey modules that they've done where you have to like travel to a place and all of that. So I like that sounds like that things. kind of adventure uh, based on the teaser we've gotten. It's an adventure where we can make Rick voice every animal and every tree and every rock and every leaf and every piece of grass. That sounds so amazing. So are you saying we're an all druid party? Because that sounds like an Even all druid party. Even with one druid, you can speak or to pretty much everything. Ranger. Yeah, druid and a ranger, mm. and then you got everything druids, All druids and all rangers. I do love me a ranger. All dwarves. <laughs> I don't really want to play a dwarf. And speak that one gnome elf. And speak with animals. Mm. <laughs> gnome would be fun. It's an unfortunate disappointment. But yeah, so that sounds, I mean, you, you sold me on it. Anyway, happy pathfinding and thanks for the good times. Yours truly, Wally. Well, oh, thank you, Wally. Yeah. And now it is time to cast. We're casting? What are we going to cast? No, you're I welcome. I think it, Mephistopheles, oh. I believe, is the last one. I'm reading it. And then it. we're out of castings because Asmodeus has been cast. Oh, I no. wanted to cast Magic Missile, though. All right. Uh, at the darkness. Uh, we are going to cast the Lord of the Eighth, the Archdevil or Archdevil. I like Archdevil better, honestly. Mm. Mephistopheles, the Crimson Sun. Nice. Oh, God, there's so many big words in this. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> when Asmodeus, which people say Asmodeus, and I think that sounds like a toilet. See, that's like, how on. I originally pronounced it because I didn't know I think how it's it was. correct, but I, it just uh, sounds Asmodeus like bathrooms. Is, Asmodeus is, I believe, the correct yeah. pronunciation. Because yeah. I hate the way that sounds. But Me I, too. Yeah, I was going to say. Mm. I will always say Asmodeus. I will die on that hill. That finally. Hell, hell. If, I just I remember know, writing like, a story with him as a character, and I was like, I'm just going to shorten this to as. <laughs> Asmodeus is the correct pronunciation according to Paizo. Well, thank oh. you, Paizo. Which also always made me think, Rock Me Amadeus. Anyway. Yes, that's true also. <laughs> <laughs> Later. When Asmodeus rebelled against the heavens and led his followers into exile, many of them believed the Prince of Lies would find them a glorious new home. Unknown to any, the Prince of Darkness already had. Asmodeus led his followers into hell, and hell welcomed them. Free from the commandments of heaven, Asmodeus sought to establish a new order, his order. Hell, he deemed, would become the throne of that perfected law, and so too must be its model. 
Yet there was power in hell that he did not yet fully grasp, an ancient consciousness from which he sought to learn, but that also needed to bend before his new regime. As his followers fortified hell's borders, he delved into the depths of the pit. There, in the pulsing depths he had dubbed Cana, he tore hell's flesh from its bones. When he returned to the bulwark of Avernus and the encampment of Dis, Asmodeus was not alone. With him drifted a winged being, one similar to him in many ways. This dark seraph was not wholly his creation, the dark, the prince of darkness explained, but a layer of hell itself, reshaped to possess a body to contain its voice. It was an ambassador of this new land, one that had vowed to face Asmodeus's enemies as its own. Asmodeus made a place among his veteran generals and named this first child of hell Mephistopheles. Very cool. So essentially, this guy is a, is a, is a literal layer of hell. Mm. He has a physical form, though, because there's artwork. Of, oh, I mean, he's got a body yeah. and stuff, but like literally, he's he's actually just a layer of hell given form, which is cool. All right, I, I have one I'm picking because he has to be it. Okay. I say that Mephistopheles should be played by Gary Oldman. Hmm. I mean, Gary <laughs> Oldman Gary can Oldman, do any role. First of all, can do any role. He can. But second yes. of all... Is very good at menacing roles. See, like, Dracula and, you know, like, half of his catalog, honestly. Mm. It's Gary Oldman, man. You know that guy's going to act the bejesus out of that role. You're not wrong. See Fifth Element as example. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Indeed. (laughs) So, yes, Gary Oldman. Nice. Uh, I'm going off of the art uh, and the fact that he looks absolutely ripped, which immediately (laughs) made me think of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) Who wow. also does a surprisingly weird, like weirdly good job at being kind of menacing. I'm just thinking Scorpion King. I mean, it I'm does more Black Adam, huge. The guy is massive. Also, <laughs> to be fair, just Mephistopheles walking out and then doing that one eyebrow, <laughs> staring <laughs> at you. Smell what the Mephistopheles is cooking. <laughs> a whole plane worth of pain. It smells oh quite God. a bit like sulfur, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just dancing up to Asmodeus. <laughs> What can I say except you're welcome? (laughs) For the layers of hell I pulled from the sea. (laughs) I'm loving Uh, this idea even more as you guys sell it for me. Anyway. (laughs) I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Mm. Mm. Uh, So it's a solid choice. Can't imagine we haven't actually... I think we put him up for a couple of we things. We just put him up for stuff. Yeah. yeah, I had to double check like twice to make sure he wasn't already casted as, but no, he is not. So Also, Anthony Hopkins can play any role. Yes. He is a Gary Oldman. Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman are pretty <laughs> yep. similar in that way. Yeah. Yep. Um, like I said, you know, think Silence of the Lambs with that kind of, you know, manipulation and things like yeah. that. So, yep. That's my pick. Layers upon layers. I recently watched the uh, first season of uh, Westworld, which has Anthony Hopkins. Oh, man, he's great. Mm-hmm. He in is Westworld. really good in there and very, very manipulative. Well, you know. Uh, so I'm going back to an actor that we've put up before because I think it is blasphemous that he hasn't played some sort of devil. Peter Stormare, because he <laughs> uh, literally mm. played Lucifer in Constantine mm. and was just absolutely uh, wonderful. Yeah. And the fact that he, this is the last devil left or Lord of Hell left, I feel like it, it, it is it is meant to be. So um, <laughs> Peter Stormare, I mean, you want menacing. That man was made to play menacing roles. Like he I mean, just he did has greatest turnabog as well in American. He Gods. did. 
Like, he's freaking awesome. I love Peter Stormare. And he's oddly, like, funny while being menacing. And that's yes. why I love him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's hard. I want to change my vote, but also Gary Oldman's great. I know Gary Oldman's great too, but he could do a lot of different roles. He could Peter do Stormare much anything. can't oh, do sure. quite as many different roles as Gary Oldman. He just has to play Lucifer, except we already cast Lucifer, so he's got to play a different devil. That's what I'm saying. Mm, I see. All right. I suppose that makes it my turn. So mm. I would like to go on ahead and submit uh, Kenneth Branagh as my oh, choice um, not for bad. this particular nice. arch devil. You might most recognize him from his Shakespearean roles. Hamlet is probably the most famous. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one from the mid '90s had Robin Williams in it, and um, honestly, a He's lot also of other people. A lot of stuff. He has yes. directed a lot He's of things. Uh, lot. The first Thor movie, for example, you know, mm-hmm. several other things. I think. He's very uh, yes, uh, very <laughs> um, a very classically trained actor, but a uh, mm-hmm. very good one. Uh, I'm a big fan, so yeah, that's what right, I put fair up. Enough. Awesome. All right, so I'm thinking actor that can portray the entire array of what it is to be a devil so extraordinarily charming able to bring you in and trust them but then an actor able to deliver on the menace the creep uh the sheer sleaziness of hell <laughs> I itself gave you that with peter storm <laughs> but may i propose david Tennant. thinking something like Kilgrave, like the purple man from Jessica Jones, that he's so charming. And then suddenly it's just screaming rage. And he does play a devil in Good Omens. In Good Omens, That's also true, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I don't think Crowley has the same vibe as Mephistopheles. Probably not. But But again, I'm going for that that so charming, but so intimidating. Yeah, I agree with the Jessica Jones. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love David idea. Tennant. Also, yeah, he's, he's just really good. So, yeah, that's my suggestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All right, those are okay. our choices. Well, good luck picking from those choices, everyone. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll have to figure out who we're casting next because we're out of devils. Or if we're casting at all, if we're not doing something new. That's true. Yeah, we can mm-hmm. try something else. Something fancy and different. Find out. Shake it up. Find out in three weeks here on. <laughs> I was going to be three weeks. Six weeks. Try six. More like six. Yeah. I read the three so weeks. If you're, if you're listening two. to this, feel free to uh, <laughs> to write in. Let us know your thoughts on what else you would like to see us do. Absolutely. I know we proposed some uh, some interesting ideas previously, so uh, got a couple of things to think on. Okay. Well, that wraps it up for us. So good luck out there, and uh, don't summon any devils. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye folk. Good luck, Pathfinders. Bye! <laughs> Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hell's Rebels is copyright 2015. Hell's Rebels and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Path Ventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath. <laughs>